Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. You're listening to 100 Words or Less with Ray Harkins. Hello, you podcast humans. Thank you for putting this show in your ear holes and spending time with people who are creating independent art, playing in bands, releasing records, photographing, just basically being obsessed with this whole thing that we call punk, hardcore, indie rock, emo, whatever it is. That is what we are doing here. If this is your first time here, welcome. I appreciate you checking this out, even though this thing has existed for 10 plus years. I actually had a conversation with a uh, digital friend, a person who I met in real life last night, and said, I started to listen to your podcast when I was in high school, <laughs> and now they're, they're a grown-ass adult. It's, it's, it's a lot sometimes. It makes me feel old as hell, but at the same time, I love it. I love to be able to interact with people for long periods of time. And a person that I am very glad to put in the long line of podcast guests is Mr. Graham Sale. He is the vocalist for an amazing, absolutely amazing hardcore slash, I don't know, post-punk, whatever you would describe them now because their their style is evolving and I love it. He sings for a band called High Viz and they're from the UK. They are definitely, like I said, rooted within the punk and hardcore scene and you know, play punk and hardcore shows, but have been expanding beyond that as of late, especially with the release of their new record called Blending out on Dias Records. I am obsessed with this record. I think it is for sure going to be one of my favorites of this past year. And uh, I actually saw High Viz when I went over to Outbreak Fest over in the UK in June of 2022. And got to witness their set with, and I've actually seen Graham or whoever controls their social medias say this, where it was one of their best sets of their entire band's career. And it was so captivating. I loved it. It felt like a coming out party then. But anyways, long and the short of it, 
we got Graham on the show and I was able to have a fun discussion with him because he is very open, honest, practical about his band and just the way that he operates within the world. I loved it. So ask you some favors here. Like I said, if this is your first time here, uh, welcome. We got 500 plus episodes to, to be able to check out, but you can please, this takes 30 seconds. You can leave a rating or review on Apple podcasts. I would appreciate that very much. You can leave a star rating on Spotify. All of those things help out the algorithm, algorithm, algorithm. You get what I'm saying? But, uh, I, I, I know I mentioned this like every show, but Still, please do that. It's a favor for me because, you know, I'm doing this for free. I mean, technically not for free because there's advertisers and stuff, but you get the point. You can also email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I absolutely love to see what's up with people out there and interacting with people from that perspective, whether it's guest ideas or whether it's just like, yo, love what you're doing. And I wanted to share this thing, you know, whether it's a Bandcamp link or whatever, I definitely get a a decent amount of pitches from that perspective. But uh, yeah, it's always fun to interact that way. And uh, like I mentioned, when I was interacting with a person who has been listening to this podcast since high school, uh, shout out to my uh, friend Colin. I went to a show last night, got to witness the Counterparts tour that's coming over here in the uh, the United States of America, and it's with them, uh, CU Space Cowboy, I was about to say CU Next Tuesday, completely different band, <laughs> and uh, Dying Wish, and then also got to see Foreign Hands for the first time, definitely what I like to say, a modern metalcore, a very perfect snapshot of what is happening within the United States of America as far as metalcore is concerned. Um, but it was really fun because I got to meet some people who I'd never met in real life. And then also just to be able to go to shows. It's It sounds silly because <laughs> I know many of us like go to shows on a regular basis and I do my best to get out there. But just the fact that you know we it's been absent from many of our lives for so long uh, because of the pandemic. Now we're going to shows again and it feels awesome. I really, really like to... Uh, to experience that. So, and there'll be some more shows before the end of the year. And then here we go. 2023. That's where we're going. Anyways, let's talk to Graham. And like I said, they hive is just released a new record on Dias records called blending. I highly, highly encourage you to listen to it. If you are a fan of anything, hardcore post punk adjacent, you absolutely will love what they're doing. So, and super catchy. Anyways, here's Graham. Let's talk to him and find out more. I got keyed into high viz through people talking about how much the UK hardcore scene is popping up. This was probably, I mean, clearly the UK hardcore scene has always been vibrant, but it goes through, you know, waves and crashes. Yeah. And I think it was around 2017, 2018 is when, you know, I just started to notice a lot more activity. And then, you know, you came onto my radar and I was very uh, transfixed by your, your first recording. And yeah. And then considering that you yourself, I know have been involved in a lot of different bands and been very active since the early two thousands, as far as the hardcore scene is concerned. um, How do you kind of view this more, you know, recent crop of bands and scene in general, because it, it, to me, it seems like there is a lot of uh, different 
sonic influences that are playing into hardcore kids lives now and like they yeah. want to sound di- i don't know I, I realize it's kind of a big question to start off but like yeah. <laughs> are, i mean are, are, yeah are you noticing I, i'm sure you're kind of noticing that not only in your own band but just like all of your friends that kind of came up in the same scene yeah i think it's just uh, like pete uh, i can't really speak for anyone else but people just seem to like lower their sort of lower their guards i guess and like do you know how, like, doing hardcore bands, often you just, you know, it's it's made to, like, or, you know, at, at that time you might be like, oh, we're listening to a lot of, like, I don't know, thrashy hardcore, and maybe listen to, like, just hard in New York stuff or something, whatever, and you're like, fuck, should we do a band that sounds like dot, 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 you know, and then mm-hmm. then you you do that, and then, and there's a load of, like, there's a load of re- people who are just really fucking good at hardcore in this country, who, like, have done stuff like that, but then they all had, had their own little weird stamp. Like, I mean, like Big Cheese and stuff like that is so fucking good. Like, yep. well, I just think it's one of the, like, one of the best hardcore bands ever. Do you know, they're just so good at it. But then they also, like, have these, like, weird little, like, influences in it. And they're just, because people are from everywhere as well. Do you know, they're not all, like, as a band, they're not all just from one place, I guess. That right. Kind of, like, that really does something. And a lot of, I think a lot of the, like, the kid, there was like people from down here who were doing stuff from people up in Leeds and like Tom Pimlot and stuff like that. You know, it's just a lot of like little, different kind of cultural influences. I guess that's yeah. something. I, that's, I mean, no, I, and honestly, I think it's it's interesting to hear you say that because I, I do think there is this common narrative within the fact that all of us exist on the internet and the regionality of bands being able to because i mean anybody can live anywhere and play in bands together yeah i I think in the uk because just from a sheer landmass perspective you guys are all you know (laughs) locked in together in your different towns and that's like your experience even though you can act you know access the internet but i i think there is that regionality where it's like a brighton band sounds like so much different than a liverpool band that's interesting that's the thing because i mean as well here like the if, if you're from like do you know what I mean? People sound a lot different if you're from Manchester to Liverpool and they're like not very far away. Do you know what I mean? And then you'll go and then go to Leeds and then people sound completely fucking different there. And everyone's got these like weird little kind of small town identities, I guess, that like they bring to it. I think because, I mean, I definitely have always been, I don't know, the way I sound, especially singing and stuff, was, you know, a lot different to the way fucking anyone from down south sings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think... Yeah, that makes a big difference for you. I mean, I don't know, but yeah, I don't know what it was overall, what made, there's just, yeah, there's loads of bands that just, people are just good at hardcore, I think. Yeah. <laughs> like, right. People like really like, well, you know, like especially like Charlie and like, and Tom Pimlot and all those kind of like people who have just been around for a long time. They were just really good at it. And like, they can kind of take from, take the sort of, the mold that's handed to you, like, you know, the fucking Clevo mold or whatever, and then just adding something extra to it and, or just like, you know, just doing it a bit different, injecting mm-hmm. some of yeah. the uh, weird, weird small town shit into it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really like that. Cause I, I do think that they're, like I said, the, the regionality in the UK is more pronounced where it's like in the States, you know, pinpointing a certain style of music is a little more difficult with bands that start up just now, but like kind of, you know, you easily, like you were just mentioning, you could easily place a New York city hardcore band just based on their sound and influences and stuff. But yeah, I I totally get what you're saying. And 
I know you yourself, you were born and raised in the Liverpool area, um, which, you know, clearly uh, every piece of press talks about well, mate, you guys. It's a nightmare. Because I, I, I grew up in New Brighton, which is over the water. So basically, like, it's, um, I grew up, it's like, like a shitty little, like, seaside town. Same place, Tom Pim, do you know Tom Pimlot? Yeah, like, yeah, Tom yeah. Pimlot. Yeah, so same place he grew up. Um, we used to ride bikes together when we were kids. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, it's like... Yeah, they really ham it up. I think it's just people like latch onto one thing, mm-hmm. and it's not that you know it's not that anything I've said's untrue. Just I'm just like fucking hell, right? <laughs> uh, and and I, I think a common thing that gets placed uh, on you, not only from your lyrics but the area in which you grew up, is like, oh, you know, here's uh, here's high viz, uh, working class hardcore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just a bit like I I, th- I think it, it all came from came from one interview that I just started in lockdown. I started talking about how the working class, the background, the background backbone of this country. And then, um, and then people just ran with it, I think, but I mean, you know, stand by it. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like, that's, that, that's the environment I grew up in. And that's what I know. And expect, but you know, I've lived in London for long, like a long time now. And I think it's that, that's the thing that really made me start thinking about class. Cause I mean, I never, when I was young, I never knew that, you know, I've never, I've not had a hard life. Do you know what I mean? But I've, I've, when I moved to London, I clocked that like, I definitely haven't had the same life as most people who I meet down here. Do mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah, but- absolutely. And I guess on that, like when you were, you know, growing up and what was your family structure like, like brothers and sisters? I know you have a, a brother, but like, you know, mom and dad in the house, what did that look like? Yeah. So I've, um, I've got fucking hell going into this. So I am. Um, my brother's disabled. Um, mm-hmm. My brother has cerebral palsy and autism. So I grew up, yeah, I grew up with him. And me mum and dad obviously had it. He's five years older than me. So uh, they obviously had it hard with him. Yep. Really, I think it's just, I think people with disabilities in this country do, you know, it's not easy. And um, I, yeah, but I grew up with my mum and dad. Mum, um, My mum my was a nurse. My dad worked for BT. He was... Um, Growing up, and he was like, he was a, uh, he fixed like the phone boxes next to, uh, like a, you know, like I don't know what the fuck it's called, like a telephone exchange stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, so I grew up with them, you know. So like, it's good me, um, kind of. I just yeah, I don't know how, how to talk about that really. I feel I, I got like a, yeah, yeah, they were around, but my dad when I was young, my dad. My dad got made redundant from his job, and then he um, on his payoff he got bought. He bought. We've always had like link, like a caravan in North Wales. Like our family have always gone on holiday to North Wales. It's quite a, like common thing you'll find among people around from Merseyside who go on holiday up there. But um, my dad bought some land in North Wales, um, like tiny bit of land for fuck all, and then spent his evenings every night building a house up there. Okay. So I think like, I mean, you know, on reflection, I wonder like. He's in my dad, and it's one of the things that I've inherited. I think from just throwing yourself into work to avoid how, you know, the like the reality of your existence or whatever. Because it must have been hard for him with Arkeef. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I've, I've I said that to him recently. I said like I never, uh, I never really had like a father figure. You know, like people have. A lot of my friends will have like really the set like. Um, really sort of solid father figures in their lives. And I've always, you know, I've always looked up to my dad and stuff, but he's not, ne- he's, my dad's never told me what to do. He's never been like, oh, come on, let's go to the footy or whatever. I've, he, he, my dad was, he's, he's quite a like, quite a sort of uh, independent guy who just, 
kind of <laughs> rides most bikes and his thing. Yeah. Well, I, and I think that that's, uh, I think a lot of people that do have, you know, a father figure, but maybe they are, you know, preoccupied with their own existence for yeah. understandable reasons. And, you know, <laughs> it, there clearly isn't a license to have children like anybody can have. <laughs> I mean, so just that idea of like, oh, maybe my dad wasn't ready to take care of, you know, not only a uh, a disabled child, but then like me on top of it, like amongst everything else that he was trying to take care of. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah you just, you, you do, I, the reflection that you're having, you know, now and probably the past, you know, whatever, 10 years of just like, oh yes, like parents are humans and like yeah, yeah. totally broken like everybody else yeah it's hard it's I, i've started doing a lot of that i can't believe we're going straight fucking hell we're going deep already um, oh i'm so yeah, yeah. <laughs> i am um, yeah. like, i appreciate talk, it no it's all good i mean that like i started to understand my mum a lot more as well from this because my mum um my mum's maybe i'm projecting a bit on this maybe i won't go into it but is she yeah like my mum's my mum's mother was like a horrible bastard and i i used to she used to live in like this house where I used to go there every day after school and whatever. It's just like, it was just fucked. It was just like lived in like, just, she was a hoarder. She was like really just an angry Scottish woman who was like, you know what I mean? Just, just horrible. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, used to, yeah, I used to go there. She used to live in like, I said, looking back, I was like, it was absolute fucking poverty. You know what I mean? It was just like, it, it was horrible. But um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where I'm going with this really, but like I've, I've started to understand my mum's place in the world, you know, like how, how she um, hurt or bringing hurt the kind of like a, abuse she re- received on the end of like her mother just being horrible bastard. Mm-hmm. I yeah, think yeah. And, like, you know, she, and her whole, her, like, you know, my mum, I think she struggles a lot with like, um, sort of understanding how to take me or being supportive of me or whatever. And just sort of left me to it. And we just used to argue a lot as a kid, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I'm sure too, based on, I know that once a kid starts to go out in the world and build their own identity separate from their parents, and especially getting into the subculture and punk and hardcore yeah. and all of that, like parents are just like, what the hell is this? Like, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. what to do with it. That's a thing. I just, I got left to it really. I like, yeah. I, you know, I, I think not that I grew up too fast or anything, but I definitely um, just went my own way, you know, like did so I, I didn't really, I mean I didn't have like it was I, I, like it's good for me I didn't really have boundaries or whatever as a kid I was just like I just fuck off and you know what I mean I was yeah like, <laughs> right you just you basically and I mean I think that that is definitely the way that you know some parents react or it's just like okay this is something they're into I've got no context for and as long as they're not you know getting arrested every night then like I'll just kind of let them do their thing yeah yeah yeah, I think it was when I started getting arrested that it was the problem. Right. <laughs> That's true, and that 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 yeah. caused conflict. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I know. It's speaking about your uh, brother in uh, previous interviews and stuff, I, I really you know, like the way that you described your relationship with him, where you know you were obviously protective over him, mm. and was that you know that kind of flips the script of most older younger brother dynamics of usually the older brothers taking care of the little brother because they're younger. Um, yeah. Were you, I guess, were you, was that always kind of your instinct to just be like, Oh, I know I need to take care of my brother because he has, you know, different needs than I do. Um, or was that something you kind of had to, I, I guess, just, grow into? 
I think I am. Um, I've all, now I've always been like that. We and I, I remember. I mean, remember when I was like young and this lad calling him a spastic, and I was just volleyed this lad so hard in the head, and I was only like. I mean, I was like 10 or something. I just remember being like, don't fucking talk about my brother like that. And I've always been, I've always, it's always really like triggered me. And then I, um, the, a couple of things like he got taken advantage of really badly, like by just kids in his car. Cause you know, kids are fucking horrible. And I, I, my mum sent me to, I'd, I ended up going to another school. I went to like, it's kind of weird, like Catholic fucking posh school basically, but it like not posh, but it was like, you know, it was, it wasn't, they weren't my lot. They weren't from where I grew up. It was in mm-hmm. like, it was in Birkenhead's further away. And like, when I, I just didn't, I didn't know no one didn't like, do you know what I mean? It was just fucking weird. Just got right. dumped in this thing. And it was all because, and I, and I've resented my mum for years. I was like, why the fuck did it like, because I, I think I was like a bright kid, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't thick or nothing. I was just, but I didn't give a fuck up. You know what I mean? I wasn't, um, like I wasn't academic and I didn't, you know what I mean? I didn't want to do anything like that. But my mum, when she's told me about it now and we've talked about it as adults and she was like, she was like, great, how the fuck you couldn't go to the same school as Keith. He was getting like, you know what I mean? Keith was getting his fucking nose broke at school, getting sparked in the face by people. And what, you meant to go to that school? It was like, no, of course you can't. We have to like send you somewhere else. I was like, fucking hell. Right. And it can't like, you know, it's in me head. In me head, I was like, why the fuck did you make me do that? And then, in reality, they're just trying to do what's best for me and for our Keith. But it's like, I also, you know, think about it now, just like, I wish I was there when he was getting bullied in school or whatever. Right. I don't know, yeah. I, to be fair, I'd probably be like, I'd, you know, you can't, you can't work out what would have happened, you know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I yeah, fucking, right. But it's, you would have gotten you were... a lot more trouble. <laughs> yeah, sure. I understand that. Um, so speaking of punk and hardcore and the introduction of that into your life, how did that happen? Was that, uh, you know, just kind of through friends or was it, you know, local record store skateboarding? No. What was the introduction? Basically, I used to, we used to go to this little cafe in Liverpool and I was, I was just a little shit basically. And, um, I was probably like 14 or 15. I used to, yeah. And this little, it was like a vegan cafe. And I used to go there with like a couple of like graph writers and just, people in Liverpool just ha- hanging around. And then um, I met all these, I met basically like the straight edge lads from Liverpool. Well, straight, okay. well, straight not straight edge, we're mostly lads, but you know, like all the straight edge and hardcore and punk lot um, and the skaters and all them. And uh, I just, yeah, just got like a couple of them basically, I guess, took, I, I don't know if they'd fucking hate me saying this, but like took me under the wing a bit and so I, like gave me like mixtapes and stuff like that. And I just got, um, I remember got like getting taken to a show. I went to see like Crutch and Nine Bar and all these, like these bands, and I was just like, kind of uh, just meeting people who like people in hardcore who like who did graph as well and stuff like that. And I was just like, just kind of found this world. And I, do you know what I mean? I was like, this is sick. And then started going to shows with all them lot, and just getting introduced to loads of bands. And it was good because I was like, uh, you know, they all play well. There's at the time someone were in a band called Safeguard with like some people from Manchester and then those bands like Withdrawn, they were an old like straightish band from there, from mm-hmm. Liverpool. Um and then the last chance was the band that kinda like really when them lot were around I started going to their shows and just being like, Fuck, this is me, this is the best. Um Right. right. And it was like I was gonna say, they a lot of a lot of them lot, they all sort of they 
they'd be giving us mixtapes and giving me CDs and whatever to go and listen to. And I was, you know, it, it was such a broad, like they give me like, I remember getting like a Rorschach CD. Um, I ate gods, spaz, who else? Like just like a mad, you know, a mad bunch of records and being like, yeah, go and listen to this. Oh, and like, I remember getting like the hate breed and neglect seven inch and being oh, like, yeah. you know, just like, it was just a mad group of, records basically and i was and i just was like oh cool this is this is this is me now (laughs) the holidays are officially upon us you need to think about gifts for your friends your family or maybe even yourself you know you're just doing some shopping and be like i'll just toss this in here and that is where rockabilia.com will be the place where you can find all of those solutions because they offer officially licensed merch from bands and I, you, you, I was about to say I, but no, you, you can use this promo code 100 words or less that gets you 10% off your entire order. It works very well for everybody that has used it. I have received feedback <laughs> and uh, you can get all of your shopping done, honestly, on one website. They got Grateful Dead tees. They got Rolling Stone stuff. They got Bob Marley. I don't care what it is you're into. You're probably going to find something for your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your aunt, your uncle, all those things. And the bands get paid. That is very, very important. It's all officially licensed above the board. So Rockabilia will get it shipped to you, lickety split. And again, use this promo code 100 words or less. That's the number 100 rockabilia.com thank you for your continued partnership and go shop for merch enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at betmgm signing up and playing is so easy simply sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet when you register with betmgm you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features live betting options and the best daily promotions in the business and with betmgm at your fingertips every play and every game matter more than ever place your money line prop and parlay bets with a king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER I love that collision of the idea, you know, I mean, graffiti has always been such an important part of, you know, skateboarding, hip hop, punk and hardcore. Yeah. I just love that. And then uh, the mixture of all of those bands that you were getting into where it's like, oh, this feels like my home because it's a collision of all these interests. Yeah, yeah. And it was just fucking mental. I was just like, what is this? Like, you know, listen to like Power of Island stuff and just being like, what? This is mental and then uh, like it sounds like the insides of my brain do you know what I mean like yeah <laughs> it, was, it was boss and then um then yeah I just started got into like I got I, I always liked a lot of harder hardcore really when I was getting into stuff um it was like I was made to this lad Tom and he played in like a black metal band at the time and I was like I was just sort of like you know finding my way I guess mm-hmm. yeah, it was yeah. cool <laughs> no I, I I love that and like you were kind of talking about in regards to school, like you, uh, it didn't seem like you really enjoyed uh, the academics of it, like, you know, certain subjects and everything like that. What, um, 
I guess, what was the idea, like, as you started to enter, you know, what we call here in America, high school, <laughs> where, uh, what was the life path, you know, were you pursuing oh, mate, anything? I had, or? I had okay. absolutely none. I've always, I've never, I've never had, and I still don't, I don't have, like, there's no, like, I'm, there's no goal, there's no fucking, you know, I've no idea what anything, and also, like, I'm so... Yeah, I just always know that everything can change that quickly, so I don't, I don't try not try to think that far ahead at all. As, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, no, I didn't have any. I didn't have a fucking clue what I was doing. Um, I thought I wanted to be a plasterer, um, okay. <laughs> which was like my uncle was a plasterer, and he seems to look like you know that it was that it was that kind of like I just yeah didn't have any like vision for stuff. And I, I mean, most people I met around me, they just had jobs. You know what I mean? I couldn't tell you what the jobs were they just had a job and it was like maybe working in the call center or whatever and you know it was you just have a job to live in then right that's yes. the, the thing that funds your life you know it's true yeah I, I i really like that idea of the you know just earning money to be able to do the thing you want to do because i think so many people I mean, especially when you're a kid, the idea of like, I'm never going to work a nine to five job. And then the world <laughs> comes crashing down on you. And it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to work a job. But just that idea, like, yeah, I can work a job, but still do all this other stuff that will, you know, keep me fulfilled. And I, I, I like that wanna, idea. Yeah. You want to make your nine to five job the least miserable you can do in it. It's like, right. <laughs> it's I, true. Totally, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm no, definitely it's- not fucking careerist though. <laughs> right yeah like I'm, I'm going to become this and then you know i'll get a cool title and yeah then i'll be i'll be set i won't do anything else yeah i mean it's, I've not, and it's, that's one thing i mean my mum and my mum and dad have never pushed me to do and you know my dad worked my dad worked a job that he fucking hated all his life to make and then now he and then he stopped working at like i don't know six well less than 60 maybe 50 i don't know 55 whatever he just start he started his own bit he sells he sells electric bike now, bikes now my mum Retired. Well, my mum got me. My mum, um, her hearing went so bad that she couldn't couldn't work anymore. But they both live in North Wales now and live quite a nice life. I think <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. When you went to London for school, like you were around eighteen, nineteen, correct? Yeah. So yeah. I did. A, I did a. I basically, I, like I said, I did art. I, that was the only thing. I didn't. I mean, I didn't really care about art. I just liked doing something that wasn't, you know, academia essentially. And then I ended up. Going to did foundation in Liverpool, which is like a like a in, like you do a load of different things. You learn about sculpture and all that stuff, and then and, I, and then I met basically I met a girl in London who went to this art school, um, because I, I was coming down here for shows and stuff, and then it was this girl who had that band Justice play in her basement, and she was I mean, anyway I met her and, and I was like right I'm gonna move to London. I'll go to the I'll go to the art school that she goes to, and like I kind of like made myself want to go to this art school. Um, then I went, yeah, I went to it and it was quite mad. Right. And it was totally, totally different to anything I ever thought an art school would be. Right. And like you were mentioning earlier, where you were, you know, getting in trouble, being rambunctious as a, as a teenager. And um, did that carry over to like London as well? Or, yeah. or okay. Yeah. yeah I mean, I was, I just, I don't, like, I don't want to grasp myself up essentially, but I was just a bit of a shit, really. And like, I, um, I my, what was it? It was yeah, like in my second, well, what were you second year of uni? Um, so I started going, and I started like 
when I went to art school, I just realized that like, I wasn't like all these people. I, um, I felt like, I, I just realized everyone was like privately educated. Everyone was fucking dead smart. Everyone like knew well more about, I felt a bit like, a bit like a token northerner, if I'm honest. Mm, um, sure. And it, and you know, and it's like, I was given the opportunity to go, it's a fucking boss art school. Do you know what I mean? But it was just, it was hard looking back. Um, but I sort of like, I tried to fit into a mold of who I was expected to be, I think. And, um, and it was, yeah, it was a weird time, really. Right. <laughs> but, really- I was, but I started doing, I started um, doing Dirty Money at the time as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, which, was, which was like the good bit. Sure. And, and prior to Dirty Money, you had not played in a band at all, right? No, no, no. Just, um, I was just a fan. Right. <laughs> I was just a fan going to shows. Uh, uh, did you, I, I guess when you started to go to shows, did you Im- like the idea of trying to play in a band or was that just kind of, I didn't, nice? I didn't really know. I just, not really. I kind of, um, I never really thought about it to be honest. Okay. I don't think I just loved, um, just going and fucking jumping on people's heads and whatever. Like it was, yeah, I just, like, I just loved going to Argo shows. And then, um, uh, yeah, it was the f- yeah, first year of uni, and I just was like, I met, I met a lad Seb who was, who played drums in some, like, in the band called Deny Everything, and then, and then I was just like, I want to start a band, and then ended up speaking to Rob Moss, who I knew from back home. He'd moved. He was living in Reading. He, I mean, Rob Moss plays in Hyphus as well, and I, oh. and we ended up starting a practice with a lad from down here, Dear Love, and yeah, it was a, uh, it was good. <laughs> That's awesome. And did you, when you first started to play shows, did you like playing shows? Was it uh, exciting, intimidating? Was yeah, yeah. It was okay. like, yeah, I loved it. I've, I mean, I just, yeah, it was the, like the most exciting thing. It was such a like amazing way of getting this energy out and whatever like anger and frustration I felt. Cause I was just, I was an angry kid. Like, you know, I felt like I had a lot to be angry about. Um, and yeah, it was the best. Like, I still miss playing hardcore bands now. That's why I still fucking do play in hardcore band. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm not giving this up. <laughs> uh, uh, something that uh, seems very consistent um, in all the bands that you played in, including uh, High Viz, is that, I mean, there are a lot of vocalists that put themselves out there and think about, you know, their feelings or difficulties they're going through. Um, but most of the time it, it isn't reflected on by, you know, men where it's just that idea of like, Oh, you play in a hardcore band, you gotta be, you know, macho or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then on top of it, the idea that, you know, most men in the United Kingdom, like you shouldn't talk about your feelings ever, you know, you got to push them way down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you, you have seemed to kind of go against all of that. Um, wh- where do you feel like that comes from for you? Or is that just like your natural state and how you've always kind of existed? Um, I don't know. No, it definitely hasn't. Because I mean, my my mom and dad cannot talk about anything. Do you know what I mean? And it's the thing that of like talking to like talking to a therapist and stuff, and then understanding like not having um not being able to like talk about anything or even you know have a problem because like essentially I've always had to be the one who's all right because you know with with our Keith and that um he like it you know what I mean? I've got it good you know like I can't and I kind of 
our, our family just trying I've always tried to stop our to stop our Keith's anxiety and stuff just to like keep things um under wraps or whatever and try not to talk about it you know there's no like so no nobody talks about their feelings you know like my mum I don't mean to like fucking out my mum whatever but like my mum if my mum had the, my mum had cancer and she wouldn't tell me she had cancer do you know what I mean she, it's like none of us talk about anything and it's like you know it's only really at the last minute that like people would talk about stuff when they have to if everyone wants to keep their it's like uh, my dad's always said like well you know it's a me problem it's not yours you don't need to know or whatever. So, like, that kind of lack of support, essentially, which I think, like, and I don't, you know, people are unwilling to change in that respect, and I, like, I'm trying to fucking force it that, like, you know what, it's better to, like, actually be open about stuff rather than holding on to stuff because it'll make yourself, make you sick. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with it, sorry, but, I like... No, it's... Well, I think you're... I mean, that real life experience where you're able to understand, I mean, especially with, you know, your parents to be like, why out of everybody that you could potentially tell and talk about with this, it should be your family. You don't have to make it public, yeah. but like, you know, and, and to feel that, you know, uh, void. I've never felt, I think it's, I've never felt like I could, uh, could talk about anything with, without judgments and without like, um, without being shut down for it. Which is so it's like it it does make things a bit harder, um, right? But I mean that's just the old school British way. I think I don't I, mean, I don't know if you know, or maybe it's not well maybe not British. I don't know Scottish. Yeah, no, no. I well that's I mean it, it's a stereotype, but it's a it's a joke, and there's some truth to that stereotype that you know not only men, but like I was mentioning, you know, men from the UK. It's like oh yes, like you know, keep a stiff upper lip and yeah, you know, yeah. don't talk about no, that. I literally my you know like I've had like full fucking arguments with. Like, why the fuck have you not told me this? And they're like, you don't need to know. And I'm like, well, I fucking do need to know because look at this now. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And everything could have been like a lot easier if you just because otherwise, yeah, otherwise you can't plan and be pragmatic. You know what I mean? You're like, you could. It's. I think people think that it's like it's more pragmatic to not talk about your feelings and be like, oh, well, I, you know, you can't plan for stuff, but it's just fucking mental, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, you. The only way that you know that you can't, uh, no one can help, um, is if when you actually express it. Because otherwise, yeah. <laughs> you're just stuck in your own head, and there's nothing else going on there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it just eats you up. That's the thing. I mean, that's stuff like, and I think, you know, a lot of like the stresses and stuff, and like that have had is from not being able to talk about stuff. You know, not being able to like o- openly say like, oh, well, this is the thing that's like driving me a bit mad at the moment. I mean, a lot of that like. Yeah, a lot of the old, like older hardcore lyrics and stuff was just pure like frustration, not being not being able to talk to anyone about stuff. Right, right, and and I think too, I mean, especially with the direction that you know Hive is is going from a music perspective, you know, it gives you the ability to you know put yourself more out there because people can actually listen to it as opposed to just like, oh, it's just the the screaming stuff, you know, <laughs> I'm not going yeah, to yeah, yeah. hear what Graham is actually singing about because he's yelling. And yeah, so yeah. <laughs> that it, it's cool for you to be able to not only push the, the boundaries of what, you know, hardcore can be defined as, but then the fact that you can express yourself, like you said, more, you know, openly than maybe you did a couple of years ago. is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. It does make, it definitely makes a difference. Like. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, in reflecting on, um, you know, when I, I personally first saw you guys at outbreak, 
it it felt to me, and I don't know if it, this is me just because it's the first time I saw you, but it really felt like a kind of a coming out party for high viz. Where oh it's my like, god, it was like, yeah. Sorry to put in there. I was like, it was that's the it, please. It was fucking mad. I was like, because we've like we like we've played to fucking no one. Do you know what I mean? For a long time, and like, oh, we this like a couple of our mates too. Like you know, were like we know through from hardcore and all that, but people no, nobody really know knew what to do a lot of the time and i guess we didn't as well like a lot of like you'd fall into these you know uh like i'm singing with a mic stand so don't move around much don't do you know like i felt a little bit like in like trapped in myself or something and then yeah that uh, that outbreak set was just like it and seeing everyone was just going off and i'm like this it i don't know like it is the music to go off to i think in parts but you know what i mean parts of it i'm like it just, I don't know, it just felt super liberating and like, I don't know how to put this really. It was yeah. fucking sick. <laughs> well, I, it, it was great and it, it did feel like it was this, uh, you know, culmination of, hey, you guys have been working hard for, you know, a, a couple of years and putting out, you know, your music and playing as many shows as you can. And then just to have all of these people paying attention to you. But I, I think the thing that I noticed too was the fact that, you know, your even your older songs had the you know tone of where you guys are headed musically. Like you know, it's maybe not as aggressive as you would have gone two years ago. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think yeah, I think that it feel it just feels a lot more like coherent or something. I think now, like we kind of, I know, well, I sort of know myself a lot better. I'd say, and then like, and the, yeah, we just sort of like sat into it a bit more. You know, and not trying to like. I think when we were a bit, the the songs on the last record are so spiky and so like anxiety ridden. I think mm-hmm. like you, you kind of play them with a bit of a different energy. I remember when I used to like play them, I just feel really fucking uptight. Um, so yeah, maybe just playing them with a different energy. Yeah, no, it's true. You you can definitely put forward, uh, you know, this, this different mentality in the way that you can approach your set where it's like, okay, you know, it's not about like, yes, stage dives are cool, but it's not about that. It's about something else that we can bring to the table on top of yeah. stage dives. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah. That's what I think about it. Yeah. There, yeah. I guess, I guess so. That could, that could maybe be, um, you know, you put on a shirt where it's like, yeah, we're still high vis, but it's maybe yeah, yeah. stage dives. <laughs> 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 the, um, the the business side of the band um you know i know just for, even just like booking shows and doing merch yeah. and stuff like that has that something that you've always been uh, you know i guess enjoyed or comfortable with or always been you- fucking abysmal at yeah okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right all right good to know we're so shit we're, we're like we're um i think we're trying to be like i think th- what like when we when we signed the thing with deus like are we because none of us have ever taken this you know like this is it's it's not this isn't like a career do you know what I mean it's not like there's no none of us have ever thought that this could be something that isn't just going to cost us money and you know what I mean like so we started like we've always been fucking terrible at it and like just late like none of us tried to sell shirts and we've made like zero effort and when people are like oh when are you doing shirts I'm like oh we're not like and then and part of me just thought that was like I don't know like a good idea to not not make an effort right Um, but yeah, we started started be trying to be a bit better at it now because I think yeah, like I don't know. I think maybe maybe you could, you know, do this and not lose money. 
big shout out to our partners over at evilgreed.net. They are a web store provider of all of your favorite record labels and bands. They have a highly curated roster, and you yourself can go to that website and get an awesome discount. It's 10% off your entire order using the promo code 100words. And what makes them cool beyond just offering rad, officially licensed merch from bands is the fact that they operate out of Berlin, Germany, but they ship worldwide. They get it to you very, very fast. And this is just a small sampling of some of the bands that they work with. They work with Amon Ra, which is an amazing, amazing band if you've never checked them out. They got Gate Creeper. They got Spectral Wound, Emma Ruth Rundle. They also have these unbelievably cool new Magnitude shirts that I just, I love. They also work with Nothing. It gives you a real good picture of what it is that you get into. But trust me, go to evilgreed.net poke around, you will be able to find some really awesome stuff that will ship to you very fast if you are in the United States of America, because that is why they're advertising on this very podcast. They receive a lot of business from there, but they want to continue to make sure you are aware of what it is that they do. 100 words is the promo code, 10% off your entire order. Evilgreed.net's the place to go. And buy some merch for yourself. And then maybe, you know, your friend that you play in a band with or, you know, the classmate that you're being like, you know what, maybe maybe I want to do, give them something a little outside the box. Here's a Gate Creeper long sleeve. You know, maybe you're into Carcass. You could probably like Gate Creeper, obviously. So anyways, evilgreed.net, 100 words is the promo code. Thank you very much, Evil Greed. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER And I think, too, there's this interesting way that I think most, especially hardcore bands from areas that, you know, in order for you to tour, I mean, yes, you can dip over and tour Europe more easily than you can America, but it's still like you have to, you know, choose a path of like, yes, we're going to be a professional band and we got to find this booking agent. We got to do this and that and that in order to, you know, do these things. But for you guys where it's just been like, Oh, the fact that people are paying attention now, like this is cool. I didn't expect this. Yeah, it's it's also uh, like uh, we we talk about this a lot because all of us have got we've all got full time jobs. We've all like living in London is. I'm not trying to make, sound, make it sound like it's life's hard, uh, right? That's no, okay. It's you know what I mean. Like, I'm, like I've got it very easy. Don't. I? But I uh, like to go on tour. I've you need to make a certain amount of money. To go, even just to like, I can't, I can't book. Cause I work in a school, so I can't book off time. Do you know what I mean? I can't get any holiday, so I have to do stuff in my, in half term or in whenever they've got a break. So we have to work around that. And then our drummer, skis a cab driver, so he every time he every day he takes off work, he's losing like two hundred quid. You know what I mean? And then that goes towards, and all of us live hand to mouth. None of us have any money, so we're like, for us to like. 
to to work out how to tour is a fucking nightmare. Um, I'm trying to negotiate that kind of stuff now, like trying to work out and just being like, and I didn't, you know, I didn't know stuff about selling tickets or all this. Like I just, you know, to see seeing the kind of like professional side of things of having booking agents and having like, okay, so we've sold this many tickets. This is going to be this much. This is this. Like, I mean, I find it so gross, but I can also see that it's the only way you can like do this in a, in a, in a way that isn't, you know, um, isn't going to like cost you money and lose your money essentially. No, it's true. And I, I think that's what the perspective that all of you guys are coming to the table with, with the band that you like, you don't have to do this, you know? And I, I think that roots you in a real world experience where you can actually have material to sing about as opposed to, you know, I mean, we've all listened to a million records where bands are complaining about being on tour, you know, good yeah. or bad. Like, it's just that idea that you're, you're only singing about what you experience. Yeah. Yeah. I think the seek like, and the thing, a lot, that's why I find so many bands unrelatable in a way. Not is that like the secret ingredients or a lot of that stuff is privilege. And it's like, it's kind of like, I'm, what I always want to ask me like, how, how are you, how are you affording this? What do you do when you're like, how's your, how's your rent get paid and that? And they'd be like, oh, oh, when my dad bought me a house. I'm like, oh, right. Okay. Fair enough. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh, okay, oh right, cool. you don't have loads of, you don't send money home. You don't do this. You don't do, no. All oh, right. Sound. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. No, it's true. And honestly, that would actually, uh, transitions very well into another question I was going to ask. Cause I, I love you have said that, um, previously where just the idea of starting a band and having, you know, some success is all based around either financial security, you know, parental support, or like you said, you know, some combination of all of them with like nepotism. And no one, no one really articulates that. No one really speaks about that, but it's like, yes, it is, it is a privilege to play in a band. And on top of that, if you're able to play in a band to be successful, like the only reason that it can exist is because of those, you know, those, those foundations. Yeah. There's got to, I mean, you don't, nobody just jumps, it goes, right. You're a band now. Here you go. Here's your rent every month. You just fuck off and have a good time. Go on. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> but, uh, no, it, but no one, and I, the, the reason I really like you putting it out there is like, no one really speaks about that because I know that it's, I mean, anytime you talk about money, it gets uncomfortable for some people, but yeah, just, yeah. even the idea of talking about it where it's like, oh yes, you're able to do this because, you know, you've whatever worked a job for five years in order to like take a year off and try the band thing or whatever. But like, yeah, yeah. No one speaks about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, tr- it's a tricky, but it's also like, you know, it's not to, it's not to like set anyone up, but I, I like everyone's, you know, everyone's struggling like to be fair. And it's like, it's, not, it's just a, it might be, you know, if people are a bit more open about stuff, then it's better. I'm not, you know, I'm not like, I'm not saying that anyone should, you shouldn't do it, but you know, like, everyone's got a right to do stuff. It's just that I'm just not that interested in stuff. If it's like, if it's unrelatable, you know, no, it's very true. Yeah. Yeah. I see exactly where you're coming from. Uh, the, uh, I love what you um, do from not only like you said, you're a teacher and I know that you uh, tour when you're able to, but just the, uh, you know, doing work with your hands and like all of the, you know, pieces of furniture that you've been making and how you share that on Instagram and, um, 
honestly, like, and I'm not trying to blow smoke up your butt, but like, it's pretty inspiring for a person like me who can't make anything with his hands at all. (laughs) And I don't have any desire to do that, but I look at that and I'm just like, it's so cool. Um, How did you even, I guess, get into just, you know, deciding to make furniture? Um, It was all, yeah, it's kind of, I started, I was making, because I make sculpture, I have made sculpture, but basically from building. So when my, if you want me to go to the full story, so my, Good mate of mine was killed in in Liverpool when in when I was in uh in uni in my f- second year I guess yeah mm-hmm. yeah so he was killed like just on his way home from work some lads smashed him over the head to rob his bike killed him in Liverpool and um I was like it you know just hit me hard or whatever and I um I took a year out and just moved up to where my mum and dad's were and I helped helped build this cottage with my dad and I always like loved building stuff. I was working with like old, old stone. Anyway, just I did that for, for a year. And then I got into, I was just making kind of concrete things. I've always loved concrete stuff. Always loved like working with concrete. And then I was, I made, I made a couple of things just for myself. And then people were like, you should sell them, you know? And I thought, yeah, whatever. Got and it. then, yeah. Yeah. And then I just, um, made a couple more things and then people bought them. And then I just like, I never had like, I wasn't really one for like social media or anything for a long time. Like, mm-hmm. di- like distinctly did not fucking want it. Um, and then, then I got it and just started like putting stuff up there. And then, yeah, it just sort of grew from that really. And people, you know, people, yeah, people just started buying stuff off me. And, and it was like, I, I, I've never, you know, I've never given a fuck about interiors. I've just like, house you know when I, I was just i didn't think i was like worthy of it or whatever as a kid as i was a kid and then started That's, yeah started making them and then but yeah it's just grown from that really people have just helped fund my stupid life via right, like, like, <laughs> right making, yeah it's it's funny because I, I mean that's why i work it's like everything's connected so i work i work in a school no i never you know i never wanted to be a teacher i don't i work it's a private school it's mad it's like i don't necessarily like agree with their values and stuff and how how like grade driven it is but i do i I work in design so like i teach kids design and hopefully like hopefully have a kind of i don't know be like a a good a good role model in in somebody just make stuff you know i try try to be anyway and um so i do that and i get a free my i I use the workshop as my studio so i don't have to rent a studio in london because i couldn't afford to so I have to work in the school to make things which supplement me income, which help me live. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, it's all. It's, and I, I love how you can connect all those things together, and then also, you know, that like you said, that funds your life where you can, you know, go out in the summers and you know yeah. tour with High Viz. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's um, and it's like it's yeah, it's quite. It's one of the ones I'm not in a position where I could like start doing it. People, I think people people's perception of you online. People always say to me like, "Are you?" Well, you're obviously, you're a furniture designer, aren't you? And I was like, I'm a fuck. Like, I'm a, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I work, I work here to do this, to do that. Like, I do, I love, I love making furniture and I love making stuff and I love playing around with concrete. But I am, um, it's not my job. Do you know what I mean? I, I, my job is the thing that like I pay tax on and that I, I gets me up every morning. Right. <laughs> hopefully, it's, hopefully at some point, um, I'll be able to be in a position where I can just do something that I like doing you know, to, to fund my life, but I'm definitely not in any financial position to do that. Right. 
So it's a lot about finances in this. <laughs> no, it, these, these are real things. And I, I think yeah. that's, you know, I mean, you see so many bands that we all have enjoyed and, you know, they put out a record or two and then, you know, in their mid twenties, they have to make some type of decision, whether it's like, dude, I can't, I like, I legitimately cannot afford to go on tour anymore. Like that's hard. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't do that. And then, you know, I mean, it's fine. They maybe either break up or put out some more records, but just, you know, don't play shows as frequently. And that like, that's a, a lot of pressure, especially as a kid making these, you know, life changing decisions. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, it's like, yeah, like I say, it's it's hard. It, the, the, this country doesn't support like a lot, of, a lot of like European cities and stuff. They and they really support their like creative, you know, the, the, the creatives. They like fun stuff. There's like a lot of bursaries and stuff like that. But we just this country is like, although, you know, the UK is like celebrated for its music, but they don't really seem to do very much for like supporting venues or artists or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, no, there's definitely. Yeah, I mean, and America's even worse uh, in regards to that. But yeah, they're definitely there. There's certain countries that you see where it's like, oh wow, this is like <laughs> you were able to make a living by being in a black metal band or whatever. It's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, it's funny. It's just I remember like years ago, it was a day when he played somewhere in Sweden, and I was like, what is this place? And they were like, oh, it's just like a, it's like a straight edge youth club. They had like this like <laughs> fucking this venue and like had a um, it had a cinema in there. I was just like, this is fucking sick. And they were like, oh yeah, we get like, uh, we get money to like bring bands over that we like and stuff. I was just like, the fuck is this? This is amazing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, that's incredible. Like we, yeah. we don't have anything like that. We've got absolutely nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Totally. Um, with the, uh, the last thing I want to hit on was the idea. You, I mean, the touring that you have done and you enjoy a certain aspects of that, are you um are are you looking forward to I guess getting out as much as you can like you know coming over to America and like maybe a more extended tour in Europe or is, or is touring I guess hard for you like do you enjoy it No I I mean I love it I like and I, yeah I love it and I, like I want to do it I and we are what we're, we're like trying to sort stuff now so we're trying to get this is like is some more fucking boring money stuff so trying to trying to come to America you have to like because. We can't really risk doing it without visas, um, because I mean, like the flex got turned back recently, and it's just it seems kind of you know what I mean I don't want to book everything and then come over and just be like oh no sorry you've been denied so um so trying to sort visas and visas are like five grand so getting together we're trying to now like sell shirts sell records to get that money together so we can come over right is the plan um but we're ho- yeah, hopefully yeah. we'll be over next April I think is the, is our plan. I don't mean to, okay. yeah. Hopefully I haven't grasped us up there. But um, yeah, that's the plan. I'm, I mean, I'm desperate too, to be honest. Right. <laughs> yeah, just to be able to, and, and especially too with being able to, uh, you're the experience that most people are going to have with your band for the first time, you know, is a record that will not, like is going to be the start of the evolution as opposed to just viewing you guys as a hardcore band, you know, which there's no, shame in that but like they're they're able to interact with you guys on a path as opposed to you know just being like oh yes i'm only going to see them in front of five people in you know yeah, warehouse. Yeah. even though it probably will happen like that too <laughs> <laughs> i'm not excited i think it's, i find it mad that anyone in america cares but like, i mean obviously seeing it now and hearing from people and just being like just the songs that are like definitely for me about like about very specific times in my life, which are 
um, they just feel like I don't know. It feels the, like so personal. I guess is the word. But um, and then hearing people connect with them in America, I'm like, it just amazes me. It's super. Like it's, it's the fucking coolest thing. I, I've been chatting, you know, chatting to some people who just like send us messages, being like, "Fucking hell, I had trauma bonds," and I was like crying about it. I'm just like, right? Yeah, it's amazing. So I can't, I can't wait yeah. to come over here just because it's. I mean, America's like another world to me. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. Uh, the, the last thing I wanted to hit on was the idea of, um, you know, graffiti. Like I know that, uh, plays just as far as your artistic I- expression. And I, I loved in the, the video, how you're writing high viz. Like I, I was tracking, I was like, what is he writing? And I was like, oh, it's high viz in graph or whatever. Um, does it still play a part in your life? Like you still have those skills, obviously, where you can, um, you know, I, do that. I appreciate it. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, I I understand what you're saying. You appreciate yeah. it. You um, I you appreciate know, you may... it. It's, right. some, it's yeah. Uh, it's something that I appreciate. What a thrilling chat! I just love getting to know him, and then just how practical of an approach he has to his band, his art, whatever he's putting his mind and soul towards. I just, I really liked it. So thank you very much to Graham and also shout out to Bailey, his publicist for helping connect the dots on this one. I just always appreciate when people are dedicating time to this podcast. It's always very, very appreciated. I'm like folding hand emoji, prayer emoji right now for you. So anyways, next week, of course, another episode, because that is what we do here. I actually was thinking about I usually publish about 48 episodes a year, which is just wild to say. But anyways, Kenny Lush, he's the vocalist for a previous band as far as <laughs> a band that does not exist anymore, a band called Daggermouth. But then he also sings for a band called Rest Easy that currently just released a new LP on Mutant League Records. That's really, really good. You can find it on any streaming platforms. And uh, I had to have Kenny on because I personally loved Daggermouth. He is a fixture within the Vancouver punk and hardcore scene and just uh, wanted to dig in. And also a professional wrestler. <laughs> he did that for a while. So there's a, there's a lot of spaces that we can go in there. So anyways, that is what is happening next week. We got Kenny from Rest Easy and Daggermouth. So until then, please be safe, everybody. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. (laughs) 
The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.